make it look so easy. <laughs> that was beautiful. The title to this morning's message is Greater is He Who Is In Me. Greater is He Who Is In Me. Last week we talked about stepping up instead of just showing up. 
We cited several examples of what happens when people simply show up. Marriages crumble, friendships cease to exist, and in some cases people get hurt or die. And then we agreed that just showing up to church on Sundays could result in spiritual death. But we also talked about the difference it makes when people do step up instead of just showing up. I shared that story of the cleaner who walked into the ICU room with a man that was by himself, couldn't, be, uh, couldn't have family come in, and he offered to pray for him. And we talked about the difference it made in that guy's physical condition. The next day he was breathing better. I shared the story of the doctors and nurses that stepped up when our great-granddaughter faced that emergency surgery. Now, their expertise, their skilled skills took care of what she needed physically, but their compassion and their level of care soothed our anxiety, soothed our fear. And then tomorrow, of course, we're going to celebrate a day of remembrance for all those men and women in uniform who refused to simply show up and serve our great nation. We're going to celebrate their willingness to step up and make the ultimate sacrifice to not only defend our freedoms, but the freedoms of other, of other nations that we may never even visit. And of course, let's not forget as Christians, we're called to celebrate daily the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for all mankind. His victory on that old rugged cross broke the bonds of suffering, sorrow, and death for all who choose to accept him as Lord and Savior. But today, today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, the birth of Christ's church through the gift and the works of the Holy Spirit. This is a special day. Some quick history. It was originally an agricultural festival celebrating the first harvest of the growing season. Later, it became a commemoration of the giving of the land of Canaan to the people of Israel. And then later, it morphed into an observance of the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, all of those were important times of celebration. Don't get me wrong. But nothing in those celebrations indicates the power, the power that was unleashed on this Pentecost Sunday. If we remember, before Jesus returned to his Father, he told the disciples to go and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples assembled together, waited for that gift that was promised by the Father. In other words, they were obedient. They were obedient to Christ's direction. We turn to Acts 2, 1 through 15, and read what happened. Now, I think last year, the year before I had Michael read this, this year I decided to change the scripture because it gets a little tough. So I'll play, I'll play the, the tough words this time. It reads this way. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, 
Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. That day of Pentecost, this day of Pentecost, teaches us that no longer would just a select few have access to the Holy Spirit. Since Pentecost Sunday, all believers have access to the Holy Spirit. The same way every single disciple did, the same way all 120 people that were assembled in that room did. Those that didn't understand them, those who were outside listening that were amazed and perplexed, accused them of being drunk. But maybe, maybe it was their own hardened hearts that created that barrier of understanding or maybe a barrier of their belief. Perhaps they were people that chose to follow the world viewpoint or maybe their own selfish desires. I would call them unbelievers who were unfamiliar with the compassion and power of Christ. And I would guess that they, they never witnessed Christ in action before that day. I would guess they mainly witnessed people in the world who simply looked out for themselves. Now, speaking in tongues didn't just happen from these disciples. Bible commentators say that many pagans during that time that Jesus was on earth also spoke in tongues. But their language, those tongues they were speaking, didn't come from the Holy Spirit. They came from the enemy. And they were speaking a language that the world wanted to hear. Millions, probably billions of people today face that same dilemma. They hear far too many people speaking languages of judgment, the language of condemnation instead of love and forgiveness. And I always like to ask on Pentecost Sunday, I think it's a good day to ask what language are we speaking to the world of unbelievers? Are we speaking the language of love? Are we speaking the language of mercy and forgiveness? Are we speaking the language of grace? Those are the words that unbelievers need to hear. That's the language that this selfish world desperately needs to hear. And who better to hear it from than those of us who profess to follow Jesus Christ? Many unbelievers, and sadly many Christians for that matter, tend to speak in a, a different language. A language of hate. language of jealousy or racism, selfishness, anger. That list goes on and on. You've heard me confess before. I confess again today. I'm ashamed of how worldly I become when a car pulls out in front of me when I'm doing 60-ish down the road. <laughs> or, or when they go 10 miles an hour slower than the speed limit. I'm, I'm ashamed I can become worldly quickly. But the Spirit's working on me, and I am getting better. I would think it's safe to assume we all have areas we need to get better at. Amen. All right, it's not just me. As Christians, we should be speaking a language of forgiveness. A language of forgiveness so loud and so clear that we could be accused of being drunk on that new wine. 
As Christians, we should be speaking a language of love so boldly that the world takes pause and, and notices. Maybe even asking us how we could possibly love like that in a world that's filled with hatred. See, because that's when we get the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ. When they start asking those questions. That young man, I love the story with Warren, just delivering oil or gas, whatever. He's delivering something all that time. Look at the goosebumps. God bumps. And that young man told him how many years later? Three years, four years later. Six weeks ago, eight weeks when he was yeah. there. And I actually inspired him. I had no idea. All those years, just, just by showing love, just, just by being a Christian and showing Christ's love, that's when we get a chance to introduce people to Christ. As Christians, we're, we're sanctified. We're set aside from the rest of the world. We know that. We talk about it almost every week. But we're called to talk the language that Jesus Christ taught us, not Aramaic like he did. He teaches us a language of love, mercy, grace, patience, and the big one, forgiveness. This, brothers and sisters, is a language we should all speak. Not just to each other inside the church, but when we leave here, to let them know that we truly are Christians by our love. Our motive should be the love of Christ. He commands us to, to love one another, not just in words, but in deeds, those that had heard Peter speak that day had a choice to make. They had a choice to remain in the world and to continue what they were doing or to step up and follow Christ. Our churches within our denomination have that same choice to make this year. Like Peter, some of these churches will go back to what they did before. Some of these churches will simply remain following the world and their own views instead of the Bible, instead of God's views. But some, like our church, will choose to be, to be obedient to his word and embrace that call to go ye into the world and be the church that God calls us to be, but within a new denomination. The book of Acts tells us the disciples would have been content to stay in Jerusalem They'd have been happy to just stay there and, and preach the word. So what did God do? God allowed them to be persecuted. God had to literally persecute them, allow them to be persecuted, so that they would leave. Isn't that the same thing that's been going on for 40 years with our United Methodist denomination? It's been going on and on and on, and it's finally come to the point where God's saying, make a choice, just like those disciples that left Jerusalem. So they did leave. They were forced to leave. They went out into the world and they preached the good news. And they did it anywhere and everywhere. Synagogues, homes, the marketplace. They truly went out and spread the word. What they didn't do is sit back and complain. What they didn't do was beat their chest in, in defiance and say that they were being persecuted and it was so unfair. But what they did was they listened to the Holy Spirit. Go ye. Now I've heard some conservative churches Play that same game this year. It's so unfair. We're being persecuted. Instead of looking to the other side and saying, why is God allowing this to happen? We probably, you probably could say we're being persecuted. Praise God for that. It made us move, did it not? It made us make a commitment to God in his word, in his Bible. So those that, not counting that side of the room, because they're not here today apparently, but... 
those that come to this church every Sunday have, have made a stand for God, amen? But there are churches that aren't doing that. So we heard, we heard them saying, go ye, and we followed it. This should be one of the most exciting times for the body of Christ. This is all new to our denomination. We have a chance to truly get back to the basics, get back into the Bible to make a difference in our community, to make a difference in our own families by truly believing and following the word of God. We know the end times are quickly coming. Now we say that. The disciples believe that in Acts too, if you remember, right? The Lord's day is at hand because we never know when the Lord's day is. We don't know, Martin. We don't know. Inside joke, sorry. We know the end times are approaching. Just look at how nasty this world has become. Do you think God would keep us here much longer to suffer under all of this? No, God's got a plan to rescue his people. We know Christ will rapture those who believe in him and follow him. Now Christ tells us we aren't to know the day or the time. So because of this, conservative churches should no longer be content to just show up. Conservative churches should no longer, like 50 years ago, just be happy to open the front door and say they'll come. There's too many sports activities. There's too, many, there's too much going on in the world. They're not going to just come because we open the door. They're going to come because they're going to hear about us. They're going to come because they're going to see our love for each other. They're going to come because they see us living out Christ's life in us. Amen? That's how we get them here. Like the early church, our churches need to go ye into the community. We need to take Christ's love to them. We need to meet them where they're at, just like this church has been doing the last couple of years. Our outreach in the community has been talked about and praised by people inside and outside this church. I just got a card this morning. This is from the LaPlante, is that how you say it? LaPlante family? Dear Congregation of the Salisbury Methodist Church, we'd like to thank you so very much for the kindness of your gift to us. Your gift has enabled us to replace some of the items we lost in the fire. Please keep us in your prayers as we will be keeping all of you in ours. God bless you all. Mark and Susan LaPlante. This is what this church does. We take the love of Christ into the community. Do you think they're telling a few people what they did, what you did? Amen. You guys got a card for my daughter's family last week. So understand it takes a couple days. And, you know, I'm at one hospital, they're at another hospital. So finally, my wife delivered a card to her, and my daughter calls up and goes, Dad, were you, were you there when they put the card together? I go, no. I, I mean, I was there, but I didn't watch it. I go, why, what's wrong? So there was a check from the church, and she goes, Dad, the card was stuffed with cash. Besides that, I mean, she was dumbfounded. You know what I mean? That's the love of Christ. And I thank you personally for that. And I'm not ashamed to say we cried. That, we cried. But that's what we do. We take the love of Christ out into the community. I remind you of the witness that day that Kathy came from the ladies' auxiliary in the fire department. And she gave a testimony of all, not all the things, but a lot of things that this church had done in the community. And that's why they wanted to bless us with that check. Well, she, she talked about something that I didn't even know about. 
because it's not about the pastor, it's about the church. So the people in our community are seeing our love. They're feeling the love of Christ. She's not the only one who's noticed the good works that we're doing. Our Father in heaven has noticed, and he's blessed us with not only a growth in numbers, but he's blessed us with a growth in love. He's blessed us with a growth in compassion. And obviously he's blessed us with a gift of the Holy Spirit. This church will not allow negative Nancys or the world to stop us or slow us down. I told Warren last week I, I get notifications for things we put on Facebook. And I put, when we hit the 20,000 mark, I put that, took a picture and put it on Facebook. And when we hit the 25,000, I took a picture and put it on Facebook. Well, I got a notification that some person in the community responded to both. So I went to the 20,000 one, and this lady just simply wrote, sad. Huh. I don't know who to, I didn't recognize the name. So I go to the second notification, same lady wrote, this is so sad this is happening, it's going to be a sad day when that church closes. So the flesh in me had some things that I wanted to say. Follow me? But I didn't. The pastor in me had some things I wanted to say. But I didn't, because I don't want to get in that argument. Right? The easy answer is, God's not going to clo close a church. We've said it a hundred times. It's filled with the Holy Spirit and it's obedient to his word. So I could have done a little preaching thing there, but then I'd have to, we'd have to get into the whole thing, the negative, 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 negative. So I deleted both comments. But the point being, one person made a negative comment, and right away my heart was breaking. See how silly that is? We have thousands of contributions supporting us. But in the flesh, one negative thing, I started to let it bring me down. Right? We need to get I'm sure I'm not the only one that's like that in life. We need to get over that. I need to get over that. God has blessed this church. God will continue to bless this church. We'll continue to grow this church as long as we are obedient to his word. Amen? Amen. And no negative Nancy. I wish that was her name. That would have been funny. But no negative Nancy... <laughs> is, is going to suck the wind out of us and take away that spirit. Amen? First John 4, 4 reminds us, it reads, Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. We've conquered those negative Nancys. We've conquered the enemy. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, the one who is in us, of course, is the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Rick read it this morning. We're all manifested with the Holy Spirit. The one who's in the world, of course, is Satan, the enemy. But the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus in John 7, uh, 16, 7 through 13. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been condemned. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That is the blessing we received that Pentecost Sunday. We're empowered by the Spirit for the task of building this church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Holy Spirit is our only source of life and power, in the believers anyway. I know I can't, I'm pretty sure you can't live your Christian life, your Christian walk, without the blessings of the Holy Spirit. I've tried it many times. It doesn't work. Only the power of God can completely change our emotions, our our train of thoughts, take away temptations, take away lust, take away anything that goes against God's written word. When the Holy Spirit lives in us and works in us, he enables us to be obedient to God. He makes us hungry for God's word. He helps us fulfill that great commission to go ye and preach the gospel. And it helps make a difference in our community. Are we making a difference in our community? We're making a big difference in our community. Peter made a big impact on his community after he received the Holy Spirit. After he preached to the crowd, we heard their reactions in Acts 2, 37 through 40. Speaking of the crowd, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. My mother had that written down for years. As parents, as grandparents, and now as great-grandparents, I've heard many, many times people concerned that their children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren aren't coming to church. They're worried they're not saved. And here's the verse right here. That in Proverbs, it said, if you bring them up as children in the Lord, in the word, they'll return to it. But this one, for the promise, the promise is for you. The promise is for your children. The promise is for all who are far away. The promise is for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. That's where we find our comfort. The Holy Spirit can mold us. And use us for his kingdom work, no matter where we are today, no matter what sins we're involved in. But here's the good part, no matter what our past was. doesn't matter what our past was. We can look to the Bible. Every hero in the Bible had a past, amen? Every hero in the Bible sinned even during the course of working for God, doing God's work. King David, Solomon, you go all the way through it. God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And in my case, probably a lot more than that. But here's the great news. Forgiveness is one prayer away. Forgiveness is one prayer away. If we need to be forgiven, we simply ask for it. Ask and thou shalt receive. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus calls us. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is there anybody here today that are heavy laden? Just me? Well, there's a couple. Jesus said, come to me, and we'll find rest. Every one of us is considered his beloved. Every one of us has been made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've already accepted Christ, you know that. 
But we still have people that have not made the commitment. We still have people that haven't accepted Christ. And if, and if it's any of you listening today, I would just ask you to know he's calling you. He's calling you right now. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter. He doesn't ask us to be perfect and clean before we come to him. Holy Spirit will clean us. We still won't be perfect, but we'll get cleaner. Did you wash behind your ears? We'll say mostly, right, when we were kids. He'll do the cleaning. That's called sanctification. It's a process. You don't have to be perfect to come to Christ. Accept him and let the Holy Spirit work on you. Romans 13, 11, 12 warns us. It says, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Today it's a call to awake, brothers and sisters. If you haven't accepted Jesus, come to him and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I did this, I think, last year. I'd like to do it again. I want to finish this with a 2,000-year-old hymn, not singing it, but just doing the words, Breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. All right. Breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until with thee I will one will to do and to endure. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, until this earthly part of me glows with fire divine. Breathe on me, breath of God, so I shall never die, but live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. Amen. And since we've talked about the Wesleyan tradition, I'd like to close out the prayer with a covenant prayer in his tradition. Let us pray. Father God, we are no longer our own, but yours. Put us to what you will. Rank us with whom you choose. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be employed by you or laid aside by you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let us be full or let us be empty. Let us have all things or let us have nothing. We freely and heartily yield all things for your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are ours and we are yours. So be it. And the covenant which we have made on earth let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.
man. Have fun with this one.
See? <laughs> All right, let's receive the benediction. Now to him who's able to keep it from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay in his word, and stay connected to the well. There's one simple hearing hack anyone can use to improve their hearing almost overnight. No, Mark.